Hello, everyone, and welcome to the SAF Insights Podcast, where we provide transparency on markets, and particularly in this one, we'll be looking at sustainable aviation fuel in the U.S. I am Vice President Global Aviation, and with me is Craig Ross, our market reporter for the U.S. West Coast and for SAF markets. Welcome, Craig, and thanks for joining this discussion. Hi, Louise. Thanks for having me. And uh, obviously a lot going on in this particular landscape right now. So there's um, there's quite a bit that we can talk about today on, on the South markets in the U.S. Yeah, so great. Good. So just to set the stage on developments in these markets, we hear a lot about new project announcements, new offtake arrangements in the U.S. We see the expansion of the current SAF producer, World Energy, as well. We see new technology producer, Fulcrum and Lanzajet, potentially coming on. Can you elaborate or shed some more light on the latest developments? Yeah, sure. So looking at those three examples in particular, with World Energy, they were recently approved in April to begin converting their Los Angeles-based plant into a standalone sustainable aviation fuel refinery. This is the former Paramount refinery, and it's expected to gain an estimated 700% from its current output to produce around 340 million gallons of SAF a year, and they're going to do that by utilizing tallow as their main feedstock, which would be shipped in via rail cars. Some of the other technology that we're seeing is with regards to renewable fuels producer Fulcrum Bioenergy. They've recently begun initial production at the Sierra Biofuels plant in Nevada. Construction of the waste-to-fuel refinery was completed in July of last year, and they're looking to convert 175,000 metric tons a year of prepared municipal solid waste, and that would give them an estimated yield of around 11 million gallons a year of biosynthetic crude. That crude would then be sent to Marathon's recently converted renewable Martinez refinery. In another venture, we saw a jointly funded project where Southwest Airlines and Sapphire Renewables They're looking to convert corn waste, uh, such as leaves, stalks, cobs, and other inedible uh, corn-based sources, and they would use that to produce renewable ethanol uh, using technology that was co-developed by the Department of Energy's Renewable Energy Laboratory. Uh, That project would then upgrade the renewable ethanol to, to SAF. If the initial commercialization of this particular project is successful, the next phase would include biorefiner Lanza Jet, which would produce SAF using the alcohol to jet sourced from the waste-based ethanol at its plant in Sopperton, Georgia. This technology by 2040 has an estimated yield of 7.5 billion gallons a year, not at that particular refinery, but using the other infrastructures in place. So there's a lot of, of, of different approaches that these refiners can go into producing SAF. And with them all working together, it's just going to take us one step closer to meeting the overall demand. Yeah, that sounds that sounds great. And you know what's interesting, um, you mentioned, Craig, um, is the Lanzajet plant is on the East Coast. So we have some really interesting news on the logistics front. Um, you mentioned rail cars, but we now hear that pipelines have now – approved um, to include SAF in their standard jet fuel blend. So we know that SAF can be mixed with conventional jet fuel and then supplied to the airline 
the same way as conventional jet, and it's known as a drop-in fuel. And I think Colonial um, said that effective April 14th they would be doing this. Can you, you know, give us some perspective on that and if there's any other pipelines that are looking at it? Yeah, that's correct. So just to give a brief background, Kinder Morgan Pipeline has been shipping sustainable aviation fuel into San Francisco's airport um, via their pipeline since 2020. And now with Colonial Pipeline, which is the, the largest U.S. oil products pipeline in the U.S., they're incorporating a JET and SAF blend for a one-year trial, which, as you mentioned, began in mid-April. And this would allow the feed to run from the Gulf Coast up into New York as a drop-in fungible Jet 54 grade. It also allow, allows the supply of eight major airports, including Atlanta, Nashville, Greensboro, Baltimore, Washington, and Dallas. And it would give them direct access with indirect service to New York airports, uh, as well as the U.S. military. And the number of arterial pipelines that either feed off or have access to colonial, if this one-year trial proves successful, it, it makes sense that these other airlines, such as Plantation, would maybe look to take this in, into effect as well, and therefore just giving greater supply into the, the regions that are looking towards SAF. Um, 2050 may seem like a long time from now in, towards the net zero carbon reduction, However, most of the airlines have agreed that by 2030, they're all looking at a 10% reduction or 10% replacement of SAF over conventional jet fuel. And so the more means that we have to supply the various airports in the U.S., the, the easier it's going to be towards making these slow steps towards that end goal of, of net zero by 2050. So it's interesting that you mentioned the, the net zero goal um, and also the blend rates. But how well developed is the SAF market in the U.S.? I mean, we hear in terms of demand um, that it's mainly driven by the government incentive programs uh, like RINs, LCFS, BTC. What, what do you think? I think at this stage that that is the case. Um, the government incentives are playing a crucial role in the early development of the fuel. Uh, without these financial motivations, the companies are going to be reluctant to deviate from the established supply and demand infrastructure um, upon which, you know, the oil production is already based. Uh, the fact that more and more oil refiners are looking towards renewable energy as, as a way to diversify their existing market share, uh, while in many cases they're going to be utilizing the same oil infrastructure in order to meet their carbon goals, such as, you know, the pipelines that we've already mentioned, uh, without using, uh, without crossing over between both renewables and oil products, um, it's just going to slow down the whole process. So by working together between these two technologies, again, it just takes us that much closer towards that, that net zero goal. Craig, I just wanted an update. I mean, we know that there's a SAF blenders tax credit that's being considered in legislation. Um, do you have an update on, on where that stands right now? So while it hasn't been passed yet, the most recent proposal under the House's $1.6 trillion Build Back Better Act um, would be the BTC, the, the, the blender's tax credit, would be $1.25 per gallon available for each gallon of SAF sold as part of a qualified fuel mixture. Um, it needs to demonstrate a life cycle greenhouse gas reduction of at least 50% to qualify for that one and a quarter. Uh, the credit would be increased by one cent uh, for each percentage point 
beyond 50%, uh, and that would be capped at $1.75 per gallon. Um, it would be effective for four years, starting in uh, January 1st next year. That kind of leads me to, um, you know, valuation of SAF here in the U.S. and how SAF is priced in the U.S. Um, can you explain how, how Argus goes through the process of providing a transparent value for SAF in the U.S.? Sure. So Argus's approach is with a market-based survey. Um, we reach out to a variety of producers and consumers um, to get a, uh, to get a sense of of where they're valuing it based on any kind of implied demand based premium, uh, the, the one way we can approach it just to get a, a starting point is to take the price of conventional jet fuel and factor in the various tax credits such as the BTC that we mentioned or the low carbon fuel standard um, and the the the, the D4 RIN which is the corn based uh, ethanol RIN credit. Uh, and by factoring in these credits into the price of conventional Los Angeles jet fuel, it gives us a starting point where we can have this discussion with our market participants and see if they maybe agree or disagree. Uh, and then we can look at, you know, further draw on feedstocks. For, for example, the renewable diesel market is, is quite well established when compared to SAF. And by getting an idea of where these feedstocks are going to be drawing in from, and the market participants can give us a sense on whether we feel that our, our SAF, which we use as a multiplier versus conventional jet fuel, uh, is on target or whether we need to adjust that to factor in these various demand. And also, you know, when I know the, this is a relatively uh, small market right now. There's a lot of developments. And so we know next year we'll see the Neste plant come on in Singapore you mentioned the World Energy Plant in uh, um, and their volume increases. Um, what do you think that will do to liquidity in the market? I think it's 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 all positive. I think the more we can align the renewable markets against the the, the, the how the market is based in conventional oil products, uh, it means that the traders can utilize the same the same strategies with regards to putting on a position or or hedging. Um, in terms of market fundamentals, the, the SAF supply currently produced with Nesti being the main global supplier, um, and as you mentioned, World Energy is the main supplier here in the U.S., um, and these expansions will obviously result in a significant increase in supply. Uh, the, the market is still in its early stages, um, but it's accelerating at a much faster rate with more and more of these various mandates um, being being imposed, um, as well as interest from corporations and individual customers. Uh, we're seeing the vast majority of airlines, both here in the U.S. as well as throughout the world, agreeing, agreeing to, to MOUs, the, the memorandums of understanding for various purchasing and offtake agreements. Um, but with the completion of the Singapore plant, it's going to align renewable fuels with typical market structure seeing in oil products. Um, just to give you an example, if, if we look at Los Angeles conventional jet fuel, about two-thirds of that supply is, is, is provided by the domestic producers within the state, and the remaining one-third is usually sourced from Southeast Asian imports, predominantly from South Korea. And so my view is, is once Neste is, is completed and is up online, they would take over a similar role with regards to 
exporting products from Singapore, exporting SAF from Singapore into California, uh, while with World Energy's completion and their increase in production, they could then become the regional supplier. And between the two of them, you would have that similar demand-based structure where imports would be sourced based on regional demand in the relationship with, with production that's seen in those areas. And with the two of them working together, again, it just takes us that that much closer in order to meeting the 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 rising demand that we're seeing as more and more airlines and companies are moving towards renewable technology. Well, we definitely need to continue to monitor developments in this market. Um, so thank you, Craig, for providing your insights today. And we look forward to continuing updates. If you enjoyed this podcast, please check out our other podcasts. And for more information on SAF, please visit our website at argusmedia.com forward slash SAF. Thank you. Thank you.